Kenny, the Sports Guy podcast. Hello, and welcome back to Kenny, the Sports Guy's podcast. I'm your host, Kenny Severo, and welcome to another edition of Bench Talk. Joining the show today is Leslie Maxey. Ms. Maxey competed in the 1988 Summer Olympics, running 56.10 seconds to finish a non-qualifying fifth place in the heat of the 400 hurdles. After the Olympics, Ms. Maxey went into the world of sports broadcasting and TV broadcasting. She is one of the few Olympians in the world who has anchored, executive produced, recorded, and marketed TV projects for Fox Sports, ESPN, CBS, and NBC, and others. With over 30 years of experience, she basically has done it all. <laughs> Please welcome Leslie Maxi. Maxi, thank you for sh- so much yeah, for being see. on the show today. <laughs> oh, sorry. Hey, how are you? Doing good. How about yourself? Oh, very well. Thank you. It's Friday. Hey. <laughs> it's Friday. Yeah. Everyone is excited for Friday for today. <laughs> all right. So the first question I have for you today is, is, can you tell us about your journey to becoming an Olympic athlete? What inspired you to pursue this path? Okay. Well, I started running when I was six years old, Kenny. Um, my brothers ran. I have cousins that ran. And I was the youngest. I tagged along. I could not be left at home alone. So <laughs> <laughs> I kind of had to do it. But um, I found pretty early on that I, I loved the challenge aspect of it. I didn't necessarily love training, but I loved the results. So I held my nose and I did it. <laughs> <laughs> so what, what was it like to represent your country at the Olympics? How yeah. do you feel competing at such a grand stage? A great question. So um, I'll give you a little story leading into that and it'll, it'll kind of contextualize it well. Oh, when great. I was about 10 years old, I um, was running on a relay team. And it was a uh, four by 400. Um, I got the baton, I think it was four teams, I think it was in fourth place. (laughs) And -hmm. I was able to overtake the person in the lead to win the race for our team. And that was a national record that day. Um, I have a a cousin, I mentioned that I had cousins that ran as well. Um, One of my cousins, uh, Brooke Gaston, was part of the first Title IX class at Cal Berkeley. Um, and my other cousin, Marion Bowden, Franklin at the time, but Marion Bowden, um, had just come back from her first national team when I was running that relay race. She um, had been traveling, got home that morning, and came to my track meet. So she had on all of the red, white, and blue. Oh, God. Kenny, it was beautiful. <laughs> For a 10-year-old, that was like catnip. So after the race, she uh, came over and I was laying on the grass, all dramatic, like I'm resting, recovering. (laughs) And she took off her sweatshirt and she tossed it on me. And she said, one day you'll earn your own. That's such an amazing story. God is my witness. I said, I'm going to the Olympic Games that day at 10 years old. (laughs) Wow. That is such an amazing story. (laughs) Fast forward. To uh, when I was a, a junior in in high school, the year that I started 400 hurdling, I um, made well, I missed the Olympic team by two one hundredths of a second. I got a world record about two weeks before at nationals, but I missed the Olympic team by two one hundredths of a second, and so I had to wait four years until I get a chance to compete and and earn a berth 
on the 88 team. So when you say, how did it feel to represent my country on the largest stage? All of that, you're talking about over a decade of dreaming, hoping, wishing, working, (laughs) praying (laughs) um, in order to position myself for that moment. And so it was it was, it was everything. It was such a, a huge thing in my life. It had been a singular focus, you know, along with the other things that you just have to do to move things forward, but it really had been my North star for so long. So it, it meant the world to me. What was your most memorable moment from your Olympic experience? Why was it so special to you? Yeah. Um, a couple of things come to mind when you ask that question. Uh, there was a, a young woman who was a year older Um, She also went to USC on on a track scholarship, and she was from my area. Her name is Wendy Brown. Now, Wendy Brown is the only athlete, male or female, to win the California State Meet by herself. By herself. She won the 100 hurdles. She won the high jump. She won the triple jump. And she won the long jump. Okay? Mm -hmm. That is a fact. (laughs) Um, and, and we went to the Olympic games at the same time. She was a heptathlete by that time and seeing her on the, on the infield in the opening ceremony. So, you know, when, when you have the opening ceremonies, all of the different federations, countries, we line up outside. And so we're taking pictures and just, you know, being crazy kids and we make our way into <laughs> of the course. stadium. And there's nothing that prepares you for, you know, you look around and you see thousands and tens of thousands of people, the capacity of what that stadium could hold. I don't think it was 100,000, but it was pretty close in South Korea. Um, And the capacity of what that stadium could hold and all of the pageantry. And then I look across the field and Wendy and I, who were fierce competitors in high school, we locked eyes and it was just, we started bawling, ran towards each other, <laughs> took each other in an embrace and just hugged. We could not believe two little black girls were in the middle of Seoul, South Korea, fulfilling our dreams together. It was wow. <laughs> it's such a it's such a wholesome moment. And yeah, that's gonna be with you for the rest of your life. And it really yeah, will. <laughs> so the next question I have for you is what advice will you give to inspiring athletes who hope to one day compete at the Olympic level? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the advice that I would give, not I think, I know, the advice that I give when I get a question like that really is, it is more about the process. And yes, I'm not going to lie. Being an Olympian is the gift that keeps on giving. It is, I mean, it's the best cocktail story, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) Exactly. What do you do for a living? (laughs) Well, I went to the Olympics. (laughs) You know, so it's a cool thing. However, If that one moment in time defines my life, then my life has been an epic fail, okay? Hmm, It it is wonderful, it's a great thing, but it is the process. Being able to take what I did to make the team, because like you said, I ran a 56-10, okay? I was one and done, but it doesn't negate what it took to get there. Yeah, exactly. take that, and apply it to other areas of my life, then it makes my Olympic experience really, really mean something. And that's what I tell young people, you know, you can be an Olympian in a completely other pursuit. Now, they might not call you an Olympian, 
But that doesn't stop you from putting an Olympian, Olympian's effort into it. And when you look at it in those terms, there's an Olympian in every single one of us. It shouldn't be something that's just available to me because I happen to be, you know, tall with long legs. It should be something that's available to everybody. And I would offer that it is. Well, you work very hard to, you know, to be mm -hmm. in that 1988, 1988 Olympics. And the fact that you was there and competing is actually an accomplishment on itself because you're, you're there, you're in the moment, you work hard for that moment. And mm -hmm. that is something that you're going to take with you for the rest of your life. That's right. That's yeah. right. So, but I tell you, so, Kenny, um, I just want to share one thing with you. One of you ask about the stories that stayed with me from Seoul. And one mm -hmm. of the stories that really um, still impacts me to this day was when we went up to the DMZ. So that's the demilitarized zone between yeah. South Korea and North Korea. And I met soldiers who were my same age. And I was like, what, 22 at the time? So I met soldiers that were young that had so much responsibility and the mantle that they'd have to carry on a daily basis to keep democracy safe. It, it was not lost on me that, you know, people say, well, it's such a great thing to be an Olympian, but nobody is going to live or die by the decisions that I make as an Olympian. Mm -hmm. As a soldier, so a true. young person that was protecting our countries and protecting South Korea on our behalf, Man, I can't tell you, that did so much to really put that um, experience in perspective. That is so true and well said. So moving on from the Olympics to your career, your TV career, you are one of the selected few Olympians that anchored, executive produced, and recorded, and other uh, things in the sports broadcasting world. What made you want to go into the world of TV broadcasting? Yeah. Well, you know, a little bit after I started running, I started working in television. I started in television when I was nine years old. Um, mm -hmm. I was on a show, an NBC show called uh, Kids Watch. It was kid reporters. We would, you know, go out and get the story. <laughs> and then from there, I went to a show on the same network uh, called Just Kidding. And that was a singing show. Actually, one of the, um, the keyboardists from Tony, Tony, Tony came from the same show. And um, so, you know, television was always something that's in in my blood. My my mom didn't call me nosy when I was a kid. She called me <laughs> newsy. <laughs> She's like, let's just go and get the story. And, you know, and that's that's really true. When I was about 13 or 14 years old, I did the last sit down interview with Jesse Owens before he passed away. And so it, it's something that I've always loved. Um, when I retired and I had graduated from college already, retired from track and field, and then I started working in um, marketing, the first job that I had out of college was with Special, Special Olympics. And then I went to work for the Baltimore Orioles. And so, oh. you know, I, I love marketing. I love PR. It was really fun. It was, you know, still very out there talking with people. And it gave me the opportunity to be creative from a strategy perspective and um, experiential perspective. But coming back to television, you know, I, I saw Pam Oliver, the sideline reporter for Fox Sports Net. And mm -hmm. at this point, my kids were two and four years old. And my now ex-husband was a Major League Baseball manager, and he was assigned to a team in Huntsville, Alabama. 
And so we were going to be moving there for six months. And I was like, okay, well, I can't do what I'm doing here in San Francisco. I was working for a boutique sports agency called Sports Visions. And um, I said, you know, I want to I want to reconnect with television and see if I love it as much now as I did when I was young. So I got an internship at 31 years old. I did an internship. <laughs> and, you know, in that in that job, I would uh, report, uh, shoot, edit a whole nine yards. I mean, I literally carried my camera out, put it up on sticks, did my stand-ups, covered the story, and then came back, wrote it, edited mm-hmm. it so they could air it. And and But what it showed me was I loved it as much as I did when I was young, and I was really good at it. And so, you know, having that opportunity to reconnect with something that, you know, is part of your, your soul, part of who you are, um, it was it was such an honor and such a privilege and, you know, to be able to work for companies like Fox Sports Net and ESPN and NBC and ABC and CBS, it, mm-hmm. it really prepared me for a life in media and, and it affirmed the fact that representation matters. It does. Me seeing Pam Oliver changed my life. And my hope is that someone sees me in the different places and spaces where I've shown up, you know, it's sometimes following someone's uh, trail and vision, sometimes blazing a trail myself, but really hoping that some young woman, some young woman of color, a black woman might see me and see herself in my accomplishments or even see me and see past what I've done and believe that she can be there too. Beautifully said, beautifully said. (laughs) So the next question I have is, what was the transition like from being a, uh, a, an Olympian to a TV broadcaster? What was it like? Yeah, well, you know, we, we talked about um, the being an Olympian and the process. And so it was it was similar in that I was able to take the process. And you said hard work, but I would actually flip that and say diligent work. I try mm-hmm. not to call hard over my life. (laughs) If I was working in the salt mine, that's hard. This just takes diligent work and it takes process. And so being able to apply those same things, being really competitive still came into play because, you know, I would compete for stories. I'd, you know, be tracking something and following something and, you know, hey, so-and-so, I want to, I want to interview Lance Armstrong. I want to interview Barry Bonds and, and doing those things. It, it is a competitive pursuit. And you got to have hustle. You got to be willing to put the work in. You have to be willing to not take no for an answer. And you have to be willing to work from a place of integrity that would have Mm -hmm. you stand out against other people. And people would know, I can bring my story to Leslie, even if it's a story that's tough. And she's going to give me she's going to give me enough landscape to be able to tell my story and to tell my truth irrespective of what that is, and that she's going to ask hard questions to get to the truth. And, and I always wanted to be that person and to carry that spirit forward in my life and in the work that I produced. Really, really great advice. So you are the founder of perhaps the greatest name I've ever heard in the business, not your mama's 50 movie. That was like the greatest name I've ever heard. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Care to share what is the mission of the movement and how did it get started? 
Yeah. Well, when I turned 50, Kenny, I realized that probably for three or four years leading up to my 50th birthday, that my girlfriends and I were in a loop of a conversation around change and transition. And I said, you know, I call somebody and I'm like, oh God, here's what's, here's what's going on. And they'll say, oh my God, do this, do that. Blah, blah. And I'm like, great. And vice versa. And I said, you know, there's something about being in the middle of something. It's difficult to see the forest for the trees. And if we exist in relationships, I'm here for you, you're here for me, and together we're better, then what could happen if women came together in what we call our mid-love years, midlife and loving it? And we brought our resources, our answers, our experience to one another's questions and problems and issues and even celebrations and make our lives that much more effective and enjoyable. And we could help one another to design our lives 2.0. And so I, I hosted a party. We call it a party for a purpose. We went to see JLo in um, Las Vegas. And 23 of my best girlfriends came and we launched the Not Your Mama's 50 movement. Not better, not worse, just different. Wow. <laughs> that is amazing. I actually love that story. Wow. And actually, I feel like it's needed more because um, when you get up to 50, like people don't really expect you to do much, honestly. Right. Any No disrespect, but, you know, it's good to see programs out there that, you know, motivate you know, people over the age of 50 to, you know, go out there, pursue their dreams, because I'm a firm believer that whatever the age that you are, anything is possible. That's right. That's yes. right. And I appreciate you saying that because you're right. And a, a lot of mm -hmm. women, especially post 50, start to feel invisible. And exactly. you know, honestly, there's a lot of, of shame around aging. We, in our culture, shame our old people. You know, all the things about, oh, black balloons and you're one foot in the grave and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. It's funny on the surface, but really it underlies a very, very potent and, and destructive uh, ageism that we have. And, and ageism doesn't just uh, impact people over 50. Ageism impacts a young person who is qualified to do a job, but somebody looks at them and says, that Kenny, he's too young to do that. And they move exactly. on to the next person. That's yeah. ageism. You know, it, ageism it works is both ways too. that we can all fall prey to. Mm -hmm. It works both ways also. Like, so yeah. let's say, for example, if I want to get a job at, uh, I don't know, ESPN or MLB Network, they're going to look at me and say, hey, how old are you? Like, I want to say maybe I'm, I'm like upper 30s. And they're going to they're gonna say, oh, you're too old to be here. I'm like, no, it's, as long as like, I get the experience and, yeah. you know, just get the chance, I'll be, you know, I'll be all right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, everybody wants to be judged for their mm -hmm. merit for who they are today, the experience that they bring with them. Because I'm like, at what point does my experience stop working for me and start working against me? I'm never exactly. going to not be who I am. I'm never going to not have experienced the things that I've experienced. And if mm -hmm. you can't see that, and if you can't see the fact that women over 50 are living longer, we have more money, our own money. We're called yep. a super consumer, $15 trillion we're responsible for. If you're wow. not talking to me, you're not going to get my money. <laughs> That's what this movement is about. That's funny. <laughs> so the last question I have is, you have created your very own media company called Maxi's Media Group. Mm -hmm. 
What has been the experience like creating your very own media company? Wow. Man, Kenny, it has had its ups and downs, but it's always, always been a teaching tool. And it's allowed me to see myself stripped but naked <laughs> to see who, who are you, Leslie, and what are you willing to do? What work are you willing to apply? What vision can you have that you can bring to fruition? And so it is, it's really been a, a reflection of, of me and who I am and how I show up in the world. Um, it has been the 30 plus almost 40 years of experience that I have in the television and media space. And, mm -hmm. and I feel like it gives me the opportunity to one, bring people along who are, are interested in this space and to, and to really uh, bring to fore the vision that can help communities, individuals, and families that we can touch, move, and inspire people to action. That's what Maxine Media Group is about. Your media needs under one umbrella. <laughs> I like that. I like that. So the last question I have is, where can people find you? Where can people find Maxine Media Group and all the other events? Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, Maxi Media Group, uh, we have our website there and you can see all of the different things that we offer around media training, speaker training, and Not Your Mama's 50. Uh, you can find Not Your Mama's 50. It's a private Facebook group uh, page on Facebook, also on Instagram and TikTok. And if you are a woman in your mid-love years, I really encourage you to, um, to connect with us. You know, there are so many great things that are happening for women right now. You know, we're having, having a conversation around menopause and perimenopause and really starting to bring that out of the shadows. And I am um, doing a video journal of my uh, HRT, which is hormone re replacement therapy. So oh. people can find that both on uh, Instagram and on Facebook and on YouTube. So a lot of good stuff going on out there. Well, that's all the questions I have today. I want to thank you, Leslie, for the time. This has been very, very insightful. Thank you. So you can find this episode on CandiceSportsGuy.com and on my YouTube channel, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. In addition, head on over to my social media pages on Twitter at Candice underscore sports, Instagram at CandiceSportsGuy1, and TikTok at CandiceSportsPodcast. Until the next episode, See ya, and I hope you stay safe and healthy. Kenny, the Sports Guy Podcast.